Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. My guest today was introduced to me through Taryn Helper, who's a mom that I interviewed a few weeks ago. And I think if there's anyone on this planet that has a pulse on where alternative education has come and where it's going, it's Dr. Peter Berg. Dr. Berg has over 25 years experience with alternative school systems. And, you know, he's worked in everything from democratic schools to self-directed learning environments to also some really innovative public school programs. And professionally, he's a mental health counselor and a coach for teens. So clearly, he's really passionate about helping teens find their true potential. He's also the main conference organizer for ARO, which is short for Alternative Education Resource Organization. Interestingly, I just learned about ARO when I, when I, I, I met uh, Taryn, who she also uh, is involved with, with ARO. And it happens to be the only organization with a global reach to bring together learner-centered education alternatives all under one roof. So today we're going to explore where education is headed. We're going to learn about the vast resources that Arrow has that you and I can take advantage of. And we're going to hear about Arrow's upcoming conference, which is happening later this month, which I'll also happen to be presenting at. So welcome to the show, Dr. Dr. Peter. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. And I'm really glad to be here. Fantastic. First, just find out a bit more about you. So you've been in alternative education for quite some time, 25 years. Yeah, yeah. So that actually goes uh, way back to really towards the beginning of my journey in education. And I actually started out in uh, New York City public schools. And but even within that, I was kind of in an alternative program within the public school. So I think really my whole journey while it's been, you know, I've definitely had a foot in the public school world, which some people call, you know, the conventional system. I've always had kind of been sort of outside sort of the mainstream or what the norm is. And so I've really been doing that for pretty much my whole entire career. And like, as you mentioned, I've done everything from, you know, democratic schools to self-directed learning environments, charter schools, private schools, and, and also being involved with uh, Arrow now for, oh, I don't know, probably 12 years, maybe more <laughs> yet, you know, at this point. Yeah, that's a, a little quick blurb about that. Now, I, I know for a lot of people, you know, I think even back to my conversation with, with Taryn, right? I mean, she was so immersed in the standard system, didn't even really realize there was alternatives, or, or if there were, that they were worth pursuing. How did you end up going down this, this this other path? I think, so when I when I even think about me as a learner, when I was in school, I always gravitated more towards things that were less conventional. 
And it's not that I couldn't learn in a conventional system because I did. And actually one of my most profound moments um, would happen in what would be considered a very conventional, very traditional, you know, Destin Rose kind of idea, you know, lecture. So I did okay with it, but I always gravitated towards, you know, things that were just a little bit outside of the convention and, and a little bit outside of the mainstream and things that really involved learners. And so I think even from then, and then as I started to, you know, explore becoming a teacher and getting into the system, I was exposed to a man by the name of John Taylor Gatto. And he was actually a New York City public school teacher for over 30 years. And he's written a handful of books. Um, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. The books that he wrote, and I actually uh, had the honor of meeting him a few times, I and mean, a couple of times at the Arrow Conference. And so just kind of getting kind of getting into his books and being able to talk with him, he did a lot of things that were really progressive and unconventional right within the public school system. So I think from early on, I had that exposure. And then really my first kind of foray into anything, <laughs> any kind of like formalized teaching, I, again, I was in kind of an alternative setting and it was kind of, you know, mixed ages and all of that. And I was, this is when I was actually doing my student teaching and it was myself and the uh, kind of the head teacher. Uh, out of the blue, the head teacher gets a kind of just out of the blue medical issue and has to go and take care of that. And then a couple of administrators come to me and say, guess what? It's your class now. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so I was like, okay. All right. So, but I think really what that did was solidify for me, the importance of relationships, the importance of meeting learners where they're at and understanding that, you know, this is about all of us. This is really a partnership. And so I think that really shaped me from the, from the get-go. If I hadn't had that experience, what I've ended up where I am now, I mean, we'll never know. I mean, I'd like to think I would, but it probably would have just taken longer. And, and I think any, anybody who is, you know, who's been through kind of a conventional system, you know, is part of it now, whether as a student or as, you know, a teacher, administrator, parent, I think would probably, if you had a conversation with them, would realize that there are some limits. You know, for some people, it works really well. And, you know, people who work within the system, I mean, I would say 99.9% .9 of them really want, you know, are really there for students, you know, growth and they want students to do well and they're there for good reason. I, I think what happens though with large systems like that and, you know, with a system that is really, it's almost, again, it's this kind of idea of instead of too big to fail, it's too big to succeed, right? Because it's so big, there's so many numbers, there's so many people going through there it's really, it, it can be really difficult to kind of individualize and drill down. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't happen because there are places where that does happen, but it just makes it more difficult and it's not kind of designed that way from the get-go. And actually, one of John Taylor Gatto's books goes really deeply into that subject of how our public school system got started and how it evolved and really what the purpose is or was, right, from it all along. I think we've made changes. I think we've had some shifts. I just think, again, you know, when you have something at that size, it's kind of this juggernaut, right? And it's just difficult to, to make any widespread changes that are meaningful. Now, that again, that being said, it doesn't mean it can't happen. It doesn't mean it won't. Because I think we're kind of on a path right now where people's eyes have been open thanks to COVID. I think more people realize that, hey, there are other things, you know, there are other ways to do this.
Well, I just gonna, I was just gonna, I think that's a great segue into where I was curious to, to go with you next is having you having this broad experience with alternative forms and kind of seeing what's going on in the world right now. What what are the shifts that you're noticing happening, or are you are you seeing some some trends emerging in the education space? Yeah, I see. So I think the fact that there are people's eyes have been opened, I guess I would say, to the fact that there are other ways to do this. And, and it's not a one-size-fits-all prospect. So I think that I, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing people interested more. I'm seeing people just being a little more open to the conversation. But I also see that people are really hankering to get back to normal, <laughs> right? And to get back to that kind of that structure, you know, kind of the needs that families and students have. And, and what I will say is in the alternative world, sometimes the public school or conventional system gets demonized, right? And gets kind of critiqued in a way that I, you know, I would say is a little bit unfair. Sometimes it's fair, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are definitely critiques that are fair and, and right to look at and try to uncover. But I think there's also some things that are a little bit unfair. And what I mean by that is there are students and families that really need what the public school offers. And I mean, you know, putting academics on the side for a moment, things like just getting meals, right? And getting support counseling, right? And, and other supports that a lot of public schools do offer. And so, so I think, you know, we have to really be careful about saying, let's tear down the system. And it's one of the things that John Taylor Gatto used to say a lot. And he and I used to talk about that a bunch. And it's like, what I would say to him is like, well, yeah, John, that's, that's awesome, right? But what do you do? You know, there has to be a transition period. And so just to kind of tear it all down at once, you're kind of left with, you know, millions of kids. What do they do, right? Where do they go? And I, and I think there are ways to families, right? So what happens, you know, what happens then? Now, if you're talking about older students, maybe teenagers, older teenagers, maybe that isn't that much of an issue because they can, you know, get into internships and things like that. But if you're talking about small children, five, six, seven, you know, that creates a little bit of a different, um, a little bit of a different challenge. Now, again, saying that, that doesn't mean it can't happen and there aren't ways to do it. I just think that, you know, sometimes to say get rid of it all, scrap it right now overnight, I think it's a little bit unrealistic. And I think it's not necessarily the way we want to go because remember the public school system does have a lot of resources. You know, some of the, some of the public school buildings, especially the newer ones, right, are outfitted with like great auto shops, wood shops, metal shops, you know, things like that 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 students who have that interest, you know, can really take advantage of. Or even just my one son who um He's actually the only one who's in a public school system in his, his first year ever in grade nine, uh, mainly because he just won access to sports and more kids in a smaller town where we live, you know? So that, that's been huge for him. And as an experiment on my end, having never had a kid in a public school system, there's been a lot of positives and just even just, just seeing him get more structured, more focused and, you know, so I definitely, as a parent, see a lot, a lot of positives to the public school system, you know, obviously there's a lot of things I don't like as well, but overall, overall it's been the right choice for him. So I certainly support him in that. Now, because if you had a magic, magic wand and you, you know, if the, you know, the president of the United States came to you right now and said, all right, Peter, we need to do things differently. Here's a unlimited budget and resources. What, what would you do? Wow. So I think what, honestly, what I would do is really invest in uh, local communities and build up the, the resources there for students, you know, for learners to really be able to be immersed in their communities, learn from their communities. I would definitely fund libraries. There's a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Gray, who is a big advocate of self-directed education, 
also has the premise of learning through play and how indigenous cultures, really, that's how kids learn, right, to be part of society is watching adults and uh, creating games that mimic what adults do. And so one of the things that he's been working on is looking at libraries, right, as that resource, as like that unschooling, self-directed resource. So, hey, I'm interested in learning about sharks, right? I go to the local library and who's better equipped, right, to point me in a direction of, hey, here are our resources. Here's, you know, what you can learn. Like, here's a start anyway. And I know with the internet and that kind of thing, there's tons of information, you know, at our fingertips. But I think libraries can really be a source of that. And, the, and Peter Gray talks a lot more about that and way more eloquently than, than I can. So it might be something for listeners to, uh, to look into. I would really start there. I would also start with, you know, holding uh, meetings with, you know, students and families and really finding out and community members, finding out what they see are the needs. You know, what are, what are your needs? You know, what are the things that you're hoping for? What do you want to get out of this, right? Because to me, you know, ed education is really about learning about yourself, right? Learning who you are, learning how you are in the world, and yeah, learning information for sure and learning about the world itself. But I think ultimately, right, it's really knowing who you are. How do I learn best? What are the things that I'm interested in? What am I good at? Where can I find information? What are my resources? And so I think that that's really a key. I would really start there. And I would, again, you know, really invest in community programs, invest in resources that learners can take advantage of. And they can be out in the world and doing kind of real world things. And, and still, I, I think I would still have part of it in the public school structure that we were just talking about. I think that could exist as well as long, alongside of this. And I think what public schools can be is that resource center too. But what I would do away with right away is the compulsory nature of public education. And I would do away with grades and testing. Now, that doesn't mean that test can't tell you things. Because I think they can, and I think they can, they can play a role, but it's a small part of the picture. And so I think I would, I would do all of those things, right? And I think then you're talking about a very different interchange, right, and interplay of things. So if, you, if someone comes to you and wants to learn what you know about, that's a way different exchange than, okay, you have to be in this class, right? You don't care this much about it, but you have to be here. And now I'm going to try all these different things to coerce, bribe, convince whatever it is, you know, to get you to do something or to invest in this in some way. That's a really great, it's a great answer. And what speaks to me about that is kind of the, the shift to taking ownership, especially as, as parents and as the child learners themselves, right? Which is, I think for, for a lot of parents, that's where it's some of the struggle is, is they're kind of been used to passing that off, if you will, in a lot of ways to the school system and not really having to think about it much. So while there's this exciting opportunity to do things differently, it's, it's, it's also a lot more work and responsibility. And some people are excited for that. And some people are pretty scared because that's not something that uh, they, they grew up with, you know, in their, in their learnings. So I'd love to shift then to talking a little bit about, about Arrow and how, you know, Arrow fits in to this discussion, right? And supporting these alternative education options. Cause you know, looking at your website, there's, wow, there's a gajillion things there. So yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about with you about Arrow so people can learn about it some more and, and see maybe how it can support them in their journey for finding an, an ideal fit for education for their family. Yeah, as you mentioned um, in the beginning that Arrow really is the only 
organization that has this worldwide reach that brings together all learner-centered alternatives together under one roof. Now, again, that can span from these innovative public school programs to unschooling, right? And kind of everything that sort of falls, you know, sort of in between those. And not that I look at it as like a, um, a spectrum like that, but, but there are kind of like different philosophies behind those. And so Arrow is really the only organization, the only global organization that does that. Uh, there are a lot of amazing other organizations out there that are doing incredible work that I would say I would hope people would support. But they tend to have, you know, they focus kind of on their bit. Maybe it's Montessori or maybe it's self-directed education or, you know, Waldorf or Democratic or whatever. And that's extremely important. But Arrow really kind of brings everything together under one umbrella. The catalyst for that, well, Jerry Mintz is the uh, executive director of Arrow. And I think it was really about understanding the need for the exchange of ideas, right? These important ideas that, we're, that we've been talking about and discussing today and that we can all really benefit from each other's knowledge, right? And benefit from the fact that, you know, we're all in this really, right, for students to, to grow and, and, and have opportunities, right? And, and to know themselves and to, and to have a life that's fulfilling. And it's kind of like going to, to what Maria Montessori said, follow the child, right? And I think really that's uh, a lot of what Arrow does is really to kind of bring people together to share and exchange ideas, but also act as a resource. So if someone were to, you know, look at the Arrow website or call the Arrow office or email me or Jerry or uh, some others and say, hey, I'm here in Michigan and I need, I'm looking for an alternative. I just need something different. You know, we can point people in, in directions of things that we know about. Now, do we know every single alternative all over the world? We don't. <laughs> but we know about a lot of them. And we're also connected with a lot of people who someone might call and say, hey, what's going on in Hawaii? I might be like, oh, I don't know, but I know somebody who might know. <laughs> so we act as really that kind of web, right? We, you know, this huge network that we have, uh, these alternative educators or just, you know, people who are just kind of out there and you know, just really working again, this kind of learner centered, right? Learner driven idea that they're really working with. And that's a lot of what Arrow does. We also, as you mentioned, you know, we put on events and we do have our conference coming up June 24th to the 27th. Uh, that's in 2021, which is just in a few weeks. <laughs> and then we do, we do some other events as well. We do, we have like a, a school starters course. We're working on some actually teacher training courses and we just do a lot of things like that. Yeah, you got your fingers in a lot, a lot of pies, so to speak. Would you say that for someone who's really trying to figure out a path, that Arrow is probably like the, the most equipped to help people find their their direction? Or because I mean, for the people listening on this podcast, for a lot of parents, right? They're they're listening because they're looking for solutions. You know, so just curious about that. Like, if you would recommend, you know, stay starting with with Arrow, are there other resources that you know of that are pretty stellar as well? Yeah, I mean, I would say definitely starting with Arrow, especially if it's just kind of like, I don't really know. Like if you say, hey, I want to do Montessori, then there are definitely resources to go for that, right? Like I, we definitely want Montessori. But if it's like, hey, I'm not, we're not really sure. You know, we kind of want to explore alternatives. We want to just kind of get the kind of the lay of the land. Then Arrow is definitely the place to start. We also do offer consultations, you know. Yeah, to meet, I noticed you that. Know. Yeah, you've, you've got people who are like listed on your website who can do consultations with with people yeah so we do have that also a good place to start is either with myself or jerry mintz and we might do kind of the initial hey let's you know figure out kind of what you're looking at and then we can kind of point you 
to the people on the website or there is a, a way you can contact the people on the website. You know, if people come across and say, hey, yeah, that's what I want, they can certainly uh, get in touch with the folks that are listed there. So again, we do have a lot of resources. I would say definitely Arrow is the place to start if you're not really sure or even if you are like, yeah, I'm thinking of Montessori and, but you know what, I still wanna to talk to some other people just to see what else is, you know, available. I would definitely say that Arrow is the place to start. And then from there, you know, we, we work in concert and in partnership with a lot of other great organizations. And we are not, you know, in any way saying, oh, you only have to talk to Arrow. <laughs> it's like, hey, you start with us and hey, you, you know, talk to these people as well. Because really that's our mission, right? The mission is to get these ideas out in front of as many people as possible, but to also make all of these, these alternatives accessible to anyone anywhere in the world. That's really what we're working towards. Yes, it's a huge mission. <laughs> it's a huge undertaking. And I know the, the work is going to continue for a really long time. But that's really what, uh, you know, what we're centered on. So yeah, I would say Arrow really is the place to start. I noticed as well, even as a, as a sidebar that too, if for anyone who's like even thinking about, hey, you know, maybe there's nothing locally, I could learn how to start a school in my area. Or, you know, I see you've got like job listings and things too. So for those who want to be a part of the solution, not just for their families. There's there's a lot of cool stuff there as well. And I know Taryn, the thing that she was super excited about 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 Arrow was was the community in this in the sense that being a part of Arrow, you don't feel like you're the the only quote unquote crazy one, right? Or there, there's other people who have a similar mindset and can really help you through a lot of the questions and challenges and the things that that show up in the day to day. So tell me a little bit about the community side of Arrow. Yeah, and I'm so I'm so glad that you mentioned that because honestly, I would say more than anything, right? That's what Arrow really is about, is that community of people coming together, like I was saying a little earlier, exchanging ideas. And it's interesting that, you know, I know Taryn really well, and it's interesting that she said that because I felt that way when I went to my first Arrow conference, right? Like, oh my God, I'm not the only crazy one, right? Like, like wow, I found my tribe, so to speak, right? And I think just the fact that, in, you know, when you come to any Aero event or part of anything that Aero does, we do Sunday calls as well every Sunday, just kind of people getting together and sharing ideas. I think what you come away with is a sense of, okay, there are others out there, you know, that have experienced something similar to what I have. Maybe not exactly because we all have our own unique experiences, but, you know, a lot of similar things. And you know what? This is what they're doing and it's working. And you know what? And they tried this and it didn't really work, but, you know, they're still at it. And I think just knowing that that's out there and knowing that there's support and there's resources is, is incredible. And I think just the networking, I mean, really a lot of what our events are really about. Yeah, we, you know, we have amazing workshops, amazing keynotes, you know, mini talks, all of that. That is extremely important and really incredible. But the other piece that people really enjoy and really come to the events for is the networking piece. So the networking is super important extremely so and i think just from what you were talking about is just kind of making those connections right and understanding that hey i'm not the only one right i'm not the only one who thinks this and i understand that there's resources and i can go to people and you know what maybe i'm not ready to do anything but you know what i'm i just know that this is out there fantastic so that's a great a great segue because i wanted to talk a little bit about the, the conference who who would you say the conference is ideally suited for that's coming up this month. And then tell us a little bit about, you know, what's the, is there a theme with a focus? Uh, so I'll start with the theme and it's an interesting one. The theme is now that the education revolution has happened, what will we do next? So Arrow has actually copyrighted the phrase, the education revolution. 
So the reason why that came up is not because we think, oh, our work is done now, right? It's more like what I was saying earlier about COVID and how that's opened a lot of people's eyes. And I think so saying, okay, the, the revolution in terms of sort of almost in some ways people being put in a position where their eyes couldn't be closed anymore, right? That it was like they were, there, were, there were alternatives and other things put in front of them. And so that's kind of the, that's the theme of the conference. That being said, the conference really is for anybody who wants to learn more about all the things that we've been talking about today. You know, just what kind of alternatives are out there? You know, what's going on out there in, you know, in the education world? We actually have quite a few youth speakers this year. We actually have uh, three that are currently in the public school or conventional system. One is actually from South Africa. So I think it's really for anybody, you know, students, parents, people who work in education already, who just want to come and find out and hear from, you know, incredible speakers and again, from the workshops to the mini talks to the keynotes and being able to network with people and find out and make connections, I think is huge. I'm curious about that. I mean, being it's virtual because of COVID, the other, the plus and minus side of that, right? Opening up our eyes, but we have to open them up to our screens and not in, per in person, right? So just curious, how will you make networking happen in the event? And, and honestly, just like, like for a you know, multi-day conference to keep it engaging for those who are, you know, at their screens for hours at a time. So interestingly, we've been doing kind of one day, day and a half virtual conferences now for five or six years, I think. Last year, because of COVID, we had to take what was normally an in-person event and pivot it to the online format. Uh, the networking worked incredibly well. So there's a few ways that we made that happen. Is one is what, you know, the kind of the main Zoom room, we leave open the entire time. So from the, the moment we log on and say, hey, the conference has started, to the moment we sign off and say, thank you for coming and we love you and all of that stuff, the main room is, is open the entire time. So that means people can come and kind of drop in and chat. And, you know, what you can do from the main room is a lot of people probably know you can do breakout rooms. You can put people in the break. Hey, we have three people from California who, you know, live in the same area and want to maybe start an alternative or they just want to chat with each other to kind of talk about, you know, whatever was going on or whatever is going on, you know, in their community can put them in a breakout room. We're also using an app called and I, and I think I mispronounce it, but it's called Whova. It's W-H-O-V-A, and it's an app. It's, a, it's a, actually a networking conference app. It's, it could be on your phone or on your computer, and it's a way you can just kind of connect with somebody. Hey, I just went to your workshop, and I thought it was really awesome, and, you know, can we set up a time to chat? And then there's, like, community rooms in there where people can just, like, put in a topic for discussion, and then you can start discussing things in there. Like, hey, who knows of uh, an alternative in in New York, you know, and here you go. So that really, it worked incredibly well last year. It's worked really at all of our events and we're kind of really kind of just setting it up the same way this year and having, you know, enough downtime where that can happen. And at Arrow, again, while we have the backdrop of our schedule, we also know that there's gonna be pop-up things that happen and it happens, happens at the in-person conferences. It also happens at the online ones where some, you know, people might be like, hey, there's all these great workshops right now and I'd love to go to all of them, but you know what? I really wanna to talk to these two people and they're available right now. So we're gonna go ahead and, you know, make a breakout room or we're gonna whatever, you know, go and set up our own Zoom chat or whatever. And so we know that happens as well. And we encourage that. I mean, obviously we want people to go to the workshops, but we also want people to, 
be able to follow their interest, right? And what are they interested in? What do they really want to do? So much has come out of the Aero conferences in the past. So many organizations have launched off of Aero in terms of launching themselves at the conference, people getting together and meeting each other and forming these great organizations and schools. And I've been a part of a few of them. <laughs> you know, the, the networking and a lot of it honestly is, you know, just kind of creating the space for it to happen. And then it kind of just happens organically and naturally. That's awesome. Yeah. And I noticed too that with all the things that uh, Arrow does, you know, it's really meant to be, you try to really take away any financial barriers, right? Like you have quite, you have a sliding scale in terms of, you know, what it costs for people to attend the conference and, and other things, which I think is, is really great. So we do, we really work very hard to make all of our events affordable. Of course, you know, Arrow, we have, you know, we have to sustain ourselves. I'm actually pretty much a volunteer. So Arrow has, a, you know, we're, believe it or not, a very small nonprofit with a worldwide reach. So we don't really have a really big budget. And, but even within that, we really try to make what we do affordable and accessible to anyone. And we'll work with anyone who, you know, maybe they'll look at the conference fees and be like, oh yeah, even though this is exciting scale, this, you know, this bottom end here still doesn't quite work for me. They could always get in touch with us and we will do our best to work something out. We never want finances to be the barrier. You know, we just, we don't really want that to, you know, hold somebody back from finding out about all these amazing things that are going on and all the amazing people that are doing them. So if all the you know, amazing side conversations are happening, I just realized there's a question I forgot to ask earlier. Are you, are you recording? Do you record everything? Is that available for watching later? Say, you know, if I get in all these awesome, you know, networking chats and like, oh crap, I missed that really amazing talk I wanted to see. Yeah, we're using the Zoom platform. So yeah, we're going to record all of, uh, all of the workshops. We're going to record the mini talks and the keynotes. Uh, what we try not to record is just kind of the downtimes in the main room, just because then if you get this like recording and it has that, you got to kind of sift through all of that to get to the thing that you want to get to. So, so yeah. And then what we do is we make those available for conference participants. So if you register for the conference, you'll get all the recordings, you know, a week or two after the conference, we just kind of need to get it all together. Um, you know, we try to get it out as quickly as we can, but you know, sometimes it takes a little time to kind of just go through and make sure they're all there first of all, and then kind of load them into a format uh, where everybody can get to them. So yeah, so we do that. We also do, if people can't attend the conference, uh, we do put them together as a package and you know we do charge, I forget, I think last year we did it for like 40 or $50 for all the recordings. So we do, we try to make it so where people, again, you know, if they can't come, you know, we don't want anybody to lose out on a content just because, you know, they happen to be at another event or whatever else was going on at that sure. time. Yeah. Zoom fatigue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Peter, I'm also just kind of curious, like, what are you really excited about most right now? I mean, with all the things that are going on with Arrow and just what's, you know, all the change happening in the world, what's, what's got you really jazzed kind of keeps you moving right now? I think it really it's it's people that people are really kind of taking a step back and really thinking about what's important. And I think in some ways, you know, COVID was the catalyst for that and to some degree. And I think for some people when they were home because of COVID, maybe they were working from home or what have you, they kind of, you know, maybe realized that, you know, they were kind of missing out on those things and those connections with their, the people in their community or their families or, you know, friends and, and that kind of thing. And I, so I think it's exciting because I think we, we, there's kind of a shift in sort of, yeah, things, you know, people are fighting to get back to normal. 
but I think there is ne- it's never going to be the normal that it was, right? So it's the new normal, I guess, or it's just kind of a shift, I think, in terms of, you know, there are other things out there. And I think from an educational standpoint, just from the landscape of, of education, I think the fact that there are going to be more virtual offerings, there are going to be more alternatives and more offerings. And I think, you know, at the public school level, I think just realizing that, hey, you know, some students can work remotely and do okay, you know, and they'll do well. Some of them can't, you know, some of them need to be here. And also understanding, like, what is it that is really important about students coming into the building, right, and being there and everybody being there. And what, it, what does that really provide for some students? Like I was saying, uh, I don't know, about maybe 15 or 20 minutes ago, just about what's offered at public, and not just public schools, but I think all places that offer other resources. So I think that that's really has shown the spotlight on those things. And I think that to me is, is super important. You mentioned my background in mental health and I think, wow, you know, what we're seeing now just in terms of, you know, the uptick in anxiety and depression and, you know, some other mental health issues. I mean, there, there are reasons for that, but I think we, we need to really take notice and have supports and understand how the educational system, right, is is part of that, right? It's part of the problem and it's part of the solution at the same time, which is, you know, sometimes a tricky dance, right, <laughs> to do. But so I'm excited about that and I'm just I'm, I'm just excited to, you know, see kind of where this all goes because I, I feel like there's kind of a pull and we're sort of being pulled, you know, and I don't know where and it's, kind of, it's exciting. And I think for Arrow itself, I think, the fact that we've had to be nimble and agile and we, we've always have been, but now that we've kind of, you know, this new foray into, you know, online conferences and what that will look like when, you know, we do, we, we'd like to go back to the in-person format, but kind of maybe do a hybrid. How do we kind of take advantage of the fact that, okay, we can do, you know, a virtual piece of it and people can come to it and they, and they, and there's a lot of value into, uh, of it. You know, the feedback we got last year from our conference was just incredible. Like, honestly, I, you know, to be to, in full disclosure, <laughs> I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. And like I said, we did have the kind of the one day, one and a half day events. And that's a little different. It's kind of a different way to do things. But somehow we managed to pull this all together. And I think a lot of it is because of the community that we have. And we have such an amazing community and people who are understanding and who, you know, understand that Arrow is a very fluid and flexible kind of organization. But yeah, so I think all of those things really keep me going and really keep me kind of focused and, you know, looking ahead to the future and also really understanding that, like, we, I, I think we're, we're at a, a kind of an amazing time right now, just that there's all this awareness of different things that, you know, different factors, right? And it's not just, I think what, we, what we're learning is, yeah, you know, education, the part of like the academic piece of, say, being in a classroom or in a space, whether it's an outdoor space or wherever, you know, what is that? And that, that's a part of it, but there's also all these other pieces. And I think to me that, I don't see how we ever go back. Awesome. Yeah, like you said, it's an exciting time, but also a time, a lot of exploration and, and discovery, and it's not necessarily a lot of clear answers. So it's, it's great that I'm, I'm really excited what, what Arrow's doing and highly, highly recommend for anyone who's listening to this podcast to check out this conference just for all the reasons you mentioned, right? A chance to really discover really what's, what's out there and, and help you start to process some of the questions you have, hopefully get some answers, find some people who you can connect with and, and support you on, on your journey. I think it's, it's a fantastic 
opportunity. So Peter, where can, uh, where can people find out more information about Arrow and, and the conference? Yeah, thank you. So the Arrow website is www.educationrevolution.org. The conference website is simply www.aeroconference.org. And also if... And that's Aero with A-E-R-O, just for those listening. Yes, yes. We'll have have this in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know I have a little bit of a New York accent, so it might sound like Arrow and not Arrow. Or also they can they can contact me, and it's just Peter at educationrevolution.org. They can also uh, contact Jerry, and it's Jerry Arrow at AOL.com. And I think Jerry might be one of the few people that still uses AOL. But yeah, uh, so any of those ways really is a way to get in touch uh, with us. And, we, and, you know, we love questions. We will get back. It might take us, a, you know, a few days to get back to you, but we will get back to you. We actually do have a newsletter. So if you go onto the website and you see there's a newsletter, there's a way you can subscribe to the newsletter. And that's usually a weekly newsletter. Uh, Sometimes it's twice a week, especially around conference time. We kind of put out uh, more than one a week. And there's a ton of great information in there and just, you know, resources. And I think you were mentioning earlier about job listings and, and all sorts of things like that in the newsletter as well. So again, lots of ways to to kind of find out, you know, find us and get in touch with us and just find out more about what's out there. And, and what I would encourage everybody to do is, you know, talk to as many people as you can. And if you're thinking about an alternative, if you're thinking about making change in your public school system, I think just talk to as many people as you can, find out what their experiences are, you know, find out what it is that uh, people are wanting and needing. And as I mentioned at the conference, we're going to have a few youth presenters that are currently in the public school or conventional system, and they're trying to do things to change it, right? And they're bringing awareness to certain things. So I think, you know, even that, right, just to, just to talk to as many people as you can, find out, you know, read what's out there. Arrow also has a pretty extensive bookstore as well. If you go on that, you can look at some really, really some great titles there as well. And so really all, all the resources that you can find and just, you know, talk to each other. And I know we're probably uh, getting close to the end of time here, but I just want to mention a couple of quick things. You know, a lot of, a lot of how this happens is in a way how the American revolution, happened, right? Talking in pubs to each other and like, Hey, I don't like this. Right. So I think, and not that I'm equating this to the same thing, but, but I think just even just holding, like getting people together you know, maybe, uh, you know, at your home or maybe, you know, I could be at a, a local pub or a coffee shop or whatever and just say, you know, let's just talk about this stuff and just see, you know, what people's experiences are. And I think that is so powerful and so, so needed. And I think it's really surprising. And what I've found is, you know, people who have talked to me and said, my God, I didn't know that other people felt the same way. And I'm so glad that I did that. I'm so glad I did it. Just reached out to people and said, hey, if you're interested in talking about this, let's just get together. And from that comes, can come some really amazing things. And even if you don't decide to like make a change in terms of like, you know, the educational setting, but maybe there's some things that can happen within the educational setting you're already in. So I would highly recommend that and come to things like the Aero conferences and the other conferences that are out there, you know, seek out some of the other organizations as well, because it is incredibly important. And I think if nothing else, just to kind of know that it's there. And then at least what I, what I always say is, you know, in working with teenagers and students, I say, look, you know, it's really about having choices and options and being informed and knowing what those are. 
Awesome. Well, Peter, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's clear that you know this has been a passion and a long-term commitment for you to, to see young people, teens, you know, have choices and, and options and for them to really realize, you know, their potential, right? And I think in turn create create a world that we all want to live in joyfully together. So thanks again for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me and for having this wonderful podcast. I look forward to listening to a lot more episodes of your podcast.